You, you want to see something really scary? You bet. Really? Yeah. Okay, this is this is really, really scary now. I trust you. Okay, pull the car over. Pull the car over? Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Late Night Fright, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio, broadcasting live from the United States of America. Tonight, we celebrate the work of a man who was an original not-ready-for-prime-time player. He is a blues brother, he is a ghostbuster, he's a conehead, and an Academy Award nominee. He also has webbed toes, which makes him a genetic mutant. Ottawa, Ontario's favorite son, actor, writer, musician, Dan Aykroyd, is the subject of tonight's Late Night Fright with Dan and Faith, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio, broadcasting from the United States of America. What happens when you combine a traffic stop in a small town with a viewing of the classic 1987 Clive Barker film Hellraiser, sprinkle in a little Psycho, a little Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and then filter all of that through the mad genius of one of the original Not Ready for Primetime players? I'm not sure what you'd call it, but it sounds like trouble. I'd say it's nothing but trouble. Welcome to the Late Night Fright, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan, and either I smell T-R-O-U-B-L-E, or it's just my troublesome co-host, Faith. Say hi, Faith. Hi, Faith. It's always good to start off with a little Elvis, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Tonight's film comes to us courtesy of one of my all-time favorite entertainers. The writer, director, star of tonight's featured film was indeed one of the original cast members of Saturday Night Live. He is a blues brother. He is a ghostbuster. He is a conehead. He is an Academy Award nominee in the supporting actor category. He is into ghost UFOs and collecting police badges. He has heterochromia. Two different colored eyes. And he also has syndactylism. Web toes. He's a genetic mutant. He and I also share a name and a possibly unhealthy fascination bordering on obsession with Jack Webb, Joe Friday, and Dragnet. Faith, who is the genetic mutant responsible for tonight's picture? From Ottawa in Ontario, Canada, we have the one and only Daniel Edward Aykroyd. And while you're at it, go ahead and tell the people what movie we are talking about tonight. 1991's Nothing But Trouble, written and directed by Daniel Edward Aykroyd, and starring Chevy Chase, John Candy, Demi Moore, and of course, Daniel Edward Aykroyd. Nothing But Trouble was indeed based on a real-life incident from Daniel Edward's life that happened in upstate New York. He was pulled over for speeding and was brought immediately in front of the Justice of the Peace, fined $50, and then asked to stay for tea. He ended up staying for four hours. Flash forward a few years, and producer Robert K. Weiss, the producer of films such as The Blues Brothers, Dragnet, and The Naked Gun, those are all terrible, was recovering from a fractured rib and wanted to see a movie with Aykroyd and his brother Peter. Because it hurt Weiss to laugh, the Aykroyd suggested they see Clive Barker's Hellraiser. 
Weiss noticed how the audience was laughing at some of the horrific bits in the movie and decided they should make a horror comedy film. Peter recounted the Justice of the Peace story, the deal was made, and Dan Aykroyd started writing the film under the title Get, before changing it to Road to Ruin, before finally setting on Valkenvania, the name of the fictional town featured in the film. Aykroyd asked John Hughes and John Landis to direct the film, but both passed and suggested to him that he direct the film himself. The tone of the film was to be a comedic version of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Aykroyd encouraged the cast and crew to contribute ideas, no matter how outlandish they might seem, and because Warner Brothers, the studio behind the film, was busy dealing with the troubled production of Bonfire of the Vanities, the result was that Aykroyd and his crew were left alone to make their movie without studio interference. When the studio did finally turn their attention to the picture, they cut a significant chunk out of it and changed the title from Valkenvania to Nothing But Trouble, a throwaway line spoken by Demi Moore in the movie. The film was released on February 15, 1991 and was a critical and commercial flop. Chevy Chase and Demi Moore star as two Manhattan yuppies who are trying to make their way to Atlantic City before being pulled over in Valkenvania by Officer Dennis Valkenheiser, played by John Candy, who also appears as his twin sister, Eldana. She was struck down by a thunderclap. She was indeed. They are then brought before Judge Alvin Valkenheiser, played under lots of prosthetics by Dan Aykroyd, and must survive the night in his mansion, which features a roller coaster of death known as Mr. Bone Stripper, as well as two mutant babies named Bobo and Little DeBull. Valerie Bromfeld, Taylor, Taylor Negron, and Bertia DeMoss, co-star in the hip-hop band Digital Underground, also makes an appearance alongside a young Tupac Shakur. The score is by Michael Kamen and David B. Miller, the man behind the look of Freddy Krueger in the original Elm Street film was the makeup supervisor. So the big question tonight is, is nothing but trouble as bad as they say it is? Stay tuned to find out. I am Dan. And I am Faith. You are listening to The Late Night Fright. We're going to take a short pause for a coffee cause. We will see you on the other side. It's 12.01, The Witching Hour. You're listening to WKMF, Cozy Corner Public Radio. You are cleared for departure. Your destination, the late night fright. Commencing transmission in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. designated representative of the city, county, and state of New York, I order you to cease any and all supernatural activity and return forthwith to your place of origin or to the nearest convenient parallel dimension. That ought to do it. Thanks very much, Ray. The story you are about to see is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent.
Welcome back to the Late Night Fright, right here on WKMF, Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. We would like to welcome all spooks, specters, interdimensional astral travelers who may be tuning in or joining us here in the studio tonight. Welcome one and all. Welcome, welcome. Talking about movies is fun, isn't it, Faith? It is. It's even more fun to talk about movies with a friend. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about this one. <laughs> we have done... A lot of movies on this show. Yeah. And our two and two and some change, right? We've done it two years and a few months yeah. at this point. So we've done quite a few movies. We've hit uh, a lot of blooms in the horror genre on the, you know, flowers yes. on the horror tree. I can honestly say, as a disclaimer before we get into this film, this might be the strangest movie that we've talked about on this show. It's quite possible. <laughs> it's it's up there, isn't it? It's up there. It, it's up there for 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 weirdness. In case you missed the first part of the show, we're talking about 1991's Nothing But Trouble. This movie was written, directed, and stars Dan Aykroyd along with Chevy Chase, John Candy, and Demi Moore. The basic premise here is uh, yuppies, Manhattan yuppies leave Manhattan. They're going to Atlantic City. It's really, it really doesn't matter why they're going to Atlantic City because that gets lost in the shuffle. What, what does matter is they go off of the beaten path. They end up in Valkenvania. They get a speeding ticket. They end up in front of the Justice of the Peace, uh, Judge Alvin Valkenheiser, played by Dan Aykroyd. And weirdness ensues. They have to survive the evening here in Valkenvania, and that's the long and short of it, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's about it. You have Dan Aykroyd playing two roles, the late great John Candy's playing two roles. It is just an odd affair from beginning to end. So, Faith, let's let's do this. <laughs> what did you think of Nothing But Trouble? I will start by saying this movie is very, very bizarre. But I don't even think the word bizarre covers, covers it. it. I know. Yeah. Um, but it's re- it's actually really entertaining to watch. I didn't I didn't hate it. Like I actually was thoroughly enjoying what I was seeing. I don't know if it was the weirdness or I don't know, it just it wasn't terrible. <laughs> there's a there's a strange magnetic quality to this movie. Yes. You know how some horror movies you're watching the horror movie and even if you don't like the movie, but it's especially true if you're watching a movie and you're disturbed by by the film, and you have to see it through to the end because you have to have the release, you have to right. have the resolution, the the uh, the catharsis, if you will. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those movies where you have to see it through to the end. Absolutely, it's it's, <laughs> it's very odd. It is absolutely odd. My take on this is it's like a fever dream. Mm-hmm. It's a surreal hallucination that is oddly watchable. That's that's exactly it. Oddly watchable. And this movie got shat on when it came out. It has, in the years since, developed quite a nice little cult following. And there are some people that say it's one of the most interesting comedies to come out of the 90s. Okay. Which... which I do think it's a very interesting movie. Yeah. So we're, we'll get into it. Uh, it feels like, to me, going back, especially 30 years now, because this movie's celebrating its 30th anniversary this year, especially at the time, it feels like something like if Tim Burton had directed Wes Craven's The People Under the Stairs. It, it has that yeah. kind of tonality to it. You texted me that before I watched it and I was like, okay, I'm very intrigued. And that's like a perfect, a 
perfect example of like what this movie feels it, it, like. It's close to it's it, close. right? <laughs> close to it. It's non-conventional. It's odd. It has some problems. We're going to talk about two that I have with the movie. But I also really like things and I have a soft spot for things that quote unquote fail big. Mm -hmm. And because this movie doesn't play it safe. It's not right. like it's a everyday run of the mill genre film that you've seen a million times. And right. it's just not very good. It's, so it's failing. Those fail quietly, mm -hmm. you know, and they're kind of, you forget about them. This fails so big, <laughs> you know, and you can't fault something for failing big because those kind of movies, and imagine if this had worked perfectly, mm -hmm. you know, we'd be talking about this as a classic in the genre, right? Mm -hmm. it, but but it, it has the poetry to fail <laughs> big. And I'm not calling the movie a failure. I'm just saying, though, that it's not, it, 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 it's very strange. It just comes together yeah. very, very oddly. So let me ask you this, though, and, and I don't know if you said it, you know, on the nose. Did you like the movie? I did, actually. I mean, for the most part. You liked it. I, I, I liked it, too. Yeah. I mean, it's not my favorite movie in the world, but I wasn't sitting there absolutely dreading getting through the movie you know yeah okay. there, are, there are some movies out there that you just like please end this doesn't it, really feel like one of those yeah it, like it really is entertaining <laughs> okay so let's talk about i have two problems two two problems with this movie okay. my first problem with the movie here's a little bit of irony it's also the movie's greatest strength is dan Aykroyd, mm -hmm. actually and let me clarify what I mean by that because the movie feels slightly unfocused. This is Aykroyd at 11 going into, you know, going up to 12. Yeah. This is Aykroyd going 120 miles an hour down the interstate, you know, <laughs> disobeying all, all speed. Like it's, it's Aykroyd actually doing Elwood blues in a car, you know, <laughs> just going, you know, you know, hauling ass down the road. So when I say it's a little unfocused, what I mean is his two most popular scripts and the things that he is best remembered for and will be best remembered for rightfully. So are the blues brothers and ghostbusters. He mm -hmm. was the man who concocted the idea for those films. He wrote treatments. Those treatments were very big in scope, very big. We talked about it in the ghostbusters episode. Ghostbusters was actually the third or fourth show that we did. It's mm -hmm. a, it's a while back. And it's actually a two part episode. Uh, back in the days when Faith and I really didn't know what we were doing. We still don't know what we're doing, but we really didn't know what we were doing back then. So uh, listen to those at your own risk. But uh, he, he, uh, Harold Ramis was brought in famously to help shape Ghostbusters, mm -hmm. to, to, to take some of these great ideas, pare them down a little bit, you know, make them workable right. on a film screen. Uh, John Landis did the exact same thing with Blues Brothers. The Blues Brothers script was, I believe, 300 to 400 pages originally, and they got that down. And Aykroyd is a mad genius, I, and I mean that. <laughs> he is a mad, mad genius. He uh, Also, he suffers, uh, he said this himself, from Asperger's. He had Tourette's when he was a child. He's very high-functioning, and he's genius. You're mm -hmm. seeing this thing you know, through his eyes. Yeah. What I will say he's a master of is the short skit, the comedy skit, the, the stuff he wrote on Saturday Night Live, the Bassomatic, the Conehead stuff is just inspired. You've never seen anything like that in your life. You've never seen anything like Ghostbusters in your life, in the Blues right, Brothers. True. You've never seen anything like this. But I think the biggest 
problem here is that he doesn't have someone kind of reining him him in because uh-huh. he's so big on the idea front that there's no one to kind of pull him back and say let's kind of and give it a little more form right. and texture because there's some really great ideas here and there's some real ter- like horrific oh, stuff <laughs> that could have been a little more I think uh, streamlined right you know mm-hmm. and the other problem then as a director and I don't fault him for this this is his first film as a director and I don't really think he wanted to direct it. You know, he wanted somebody else to direct uh-huh. it, but I think it was a little too big. I, I do think it was a little too much for him and he's wearing too many hats. So that's where a little of the focus kind of gets lost because if you had somebody on the other side keeping it, man, could you imagine if they just like kind of, they would have hit the tone then. Cause yeah. that's what Ghostbusters does so well. Ghostbusters hits that tone immediately and it keeps that tone. And, and the thing about Ghostbusters that gets overlooked is Ghostbusters is a horror movie with comedic elements. It's not a comedy with horrific elements. That's a horror movie. Mm-hmm. And this at times feels like a horror movie with comedic elements. Then at times it feels like a comedy with horrific elements. So it's kind of, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's constantly battling itself. Throughout right. the movie. These are nitpicks. These are nitpicks, but yeah, this but is also a big reason I think why this movie kind of didn't hit with audiences and critics. Yeah. Back no, in the I, day. I completely agree. So again, I just I, I I just think it needed a little bit of focus, especially on the tone side of things. Now the studio did do some interfering with it that could contribute to it. So I, I'm I'm not going to say like bad job. It's just because again, I've never seen anything like this. This is <laughs> this is absolutely a crazy movie. I know. And I have here in my notes. I want to make sure that I get this out. Ghostbusters, as I said, is a great example of a movie hitting the tone and hitting the tone and and hanging on it. Bubba Hotep is another great example of a movie that that knows the tone, goes with it. And The People Under the Stairs, which we mentioned, is a, is another great oh, yes. example of a movie that's doing horror and comedy and in really serious situations mm-hmm. with a little bit of humor really really well. Right. So completely agree. So I, I do think that the that Aykroyd is a bit of a problem for the movie. He's also its greatest strength though because this is so out there. I want to talk about <laughs> Aykroyd in just a second. My other problem with the movie is one of the performers, and he's the top build performer, and that's Chevy Chase. Now, I like Chevy Chase, and I also don't like Chevy Chase. It's a, it's a weird relationship I have with him because he's in some of my favorite comedies of all time. He's in Caddyshack and Vacation and Christmas right. Vacation, and he's in Funny Farm, which I think is a really funny movie. I, I really like Cops and Robertsons, too, with Jack Palance. I think that's a, that's a great little movie and uh i've heard he's very difficult to work with i've heard horror stories about him actually um i I feel like he's a little bored here and i feel like he's not contributing i can i can see that i can i don't i don't necessarily love his performance i feel like yeah maybe he's just not given it everything he he could have you know but i don't know (laughs) it the problem with it for me is that you have him and he's kind and the thing is he's doing Chevy chase, Mm -hmm. which, which does work. You know, that, that, that idea, you know, that comedic Mm -hmm. beat works. We've seen it work in movies and that, that works. I don't feel like he's doing Chevy chase as well as he could be doing Chevy chase, especially compared to Aykroyd's performance because Aykroyd, seems to be having the absolute time of his life playing <laughs> seriously playing this judge and, and and i mean it's it's really amazing it, it it's really an amazing performance we're gonna we're gonna talk about Aykroyd in just a second but i 
I feel like when you kind of stack him up against the rest of the cast, he doesn't, it's, he doesn't shine. He kind of pulls his weight in that first 10 minutes, you know, and then it's like, you kind of, Mm -hmm. then it's, he's just kind of lost in that scenery. And I really, I've heard he thought this was awful and just didn't care. And mm-hmm. it kind of kind of shines through a little bit. Yeah, it does. But I will say this. He is responsible for my favorite line in this movie, which is in about the first five minutes. Thank you for the espresso machine and the bag of shit. <laughs> <laughs> when Demi Moore gives him the coffee maker and her, oh, yeah. and her dog doggy bag. <laughs> um, there was talk about Rick Moranis or Bill Murray possibly doing that. I could. I could really see that working. I, yeah. I think it would have worked. Uh, Aykroyd talked about doing it himself, doing double roles as both the judge yeah. and the yuppie. And I've, and he played the yuppie in trading places. I think it really would have worked. I know that probably would have been even more for him to do. So, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I would have liked to have seen that. Uh, me too. I would have liked to have seen that. Uh, that would have been very interesting. So uh, again, maybe that's a nitpick, but that, that does really kind of take a little bit of, of this kind of madhouse, you know, you, you, no, I, I, he doesn't I, quite take me out of it, but he doesn't put me in it. Right. No, I completely, I know what you mean. I completely agree with you. Like I said, he's not, you know, completely dreadful, but I agree. He could have been. It could have been a, a lot more. It could have been a lot more. Yeah. And I, like I said, I've heard horror stories. If you want to follow <laughs> up on that, just read the book Live from New York about the history of Serenette Live. Or read the IMDb trivia page, because <laughs> apparently he did not like Demi Moore and... <laughs> Also going to talk about her in a bit. So uh, this movie, as I said, those are two things that I, I was I was kind of eh, iffy iffy mm-hmm. on. Uh, let's talk about what this movie has going for it, which I think is a lot. And let's start as we did with what wasn't going for it. Same thing, Dan Aykroyd. This has Dan Aykroyd going for it. What do you think of Dan Aykroyd? Oh, I love him. It's hard not to. It it really is. He's just he's so special. I feel like he is. You know, he's he like this rare gem that you just have to kind of. There is something Whoa. so um, strange about him mm-hmm. that's accessible, you know. But he's not odd or out there because he no, considers he, himself an entertainer first. He's so he's not making overt political statements. Mm-hmm. He, he's he's doing things that make him laugh, and he's a strange bird. Uh, no offense, to anybody out there that has Asperger's. I'm not saying that he's strange because of that. He's no. just got this this worldview. And the way that he sees things and puts things together, mm-hmm. it's just amazing. And he has been a part of my life for a long time, for as long as, uh, you know, because he was famous when I was born. And he is actually the reason, one of the reasons that I picked up a pen and thought that I could write because I saw that he wrote films mm-hmm. that he was in and he wrote the sketches that he was in. And it was uh, Dan Aykroyd and Sylvester Stallone that made in that odd like yeah. those are the two people that made me want to write yeah. along with Stan Lee the great Marvel comics those writer some great and, people to and be inspired by when when we produce this show every week there there's a bit of Dan Aykroyd kind of hanging hanging out mm-hmm. you know in 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 my psyche when I write and, and right. he's such a huge part of my life through his films and through you know his outlook on life and and in the music and and all of it and uh I think I think the absolute world of him, and oh, I think yeah. he's a wonderfully talented actor on top of mm-hmm. it. So I do. I have a special special spot for him. Yeah, I have a very special spot for him. And we are both indeed Jack Webb fans. <laughs> it's amazing, you know. Uh, kind of a side road here. Um, Faith knows this. I don't know if you out there. I can't remember. Have I mentioned Dragnet on the show before? Just I don't believe how you much have. I love Dragnet. And Faith 
tell him how much I love Dragnet. Oh, he loves Dragnet a lot. Hey. A lot, a lot. <laughs> it's I have a Dragnet magnet up here in the <laughs> studio. Uh, I watch it every day. I record it. <laughs> and then I go on my Roku stick and I find the old ones from the 50s and watch that. And, and you listen to the radio. I do. <laughs> and I want to uh, implore all of you out there. There is a wonderful app called Old Time Radio uh, Listener. And they have all of these old time radio shows on there. And they have... the pretty much the entire 200 some odd episode run of dragnet and if you've never listened to old radio please do it's a it's a trip it really is but uh jack webb i absolutely love jack webb and and we have to talk about jack because he's such an influence on dan Aykroyd. if you watch anything dan does when he delivers a lot of information quickly. You see it in Ghostbusters when he's telling Gozer to go back <laughs> to, to the dimension. Yeah, you, know, you see it when he played Jack Webb in the Dragnet <laughs> movie. And um, anyway, that's just a side road. Jack Webb is absolutely fantastic. Also, here's a nice little trivia trivia bit. We uh, Faith and I are both huge fans of the 1978 John Landis movie Animal House. <laughs> and funny enough, uh, Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd were both almost in that movie. But uh, Chevy Chase wasn't in it because they didn't really want him to be in it. The studio did, but the writers, Harold Ramis, they didn't want him. And they said, you know, it's more of an ensemble piece. You wouldn't be the star. So he went his separate way. But Dan Aykroyd really wanted to play D-Day, the motorcycle riding guy. And they actually wrote D-Day off of Aykroyd. That's supposed to be Aykroyd. And uh, Lorne Michaels with Saturday Night Live said, if you go do that film, you're fired because Belushi was already doing it. He couldn't stand the to have him going back and forth too. So Bruce McGill, the great character actor played him. All right. So here's another little trivia bit. We're talking about Jack Webb. Mm -hmm. The part of Dean Wormer was written for Jack Webb. They wrote that specifically for him. Now, if you watch the movie with that in mind, it makes complete sense. (laughs) Uh, John Vernon, who we, we love here Mm, on the show. He was so wonderful in killer clowns from outer space. He had such a wonderful career and was just a great actor. He's wonderful in the outlaw Josie Wales and he's animal house is his, one of his signature roles and rightfully so. And he's look, I don't want to take anything away from him, but there is an alternate universe (laughs) out there where Jack Webb is Dean Wormer (laughs) and Dan Aykroyd is D day. And they're in the same movie together. That would have been something. Jack and Jack Webb didn't do the movie because he thought it would hurt his image. And I understand where he's coming from, but I also think people would have gotten it and thought it was really funny. Yeah. Too. That would have been really cool. Oh my I mean, think about though, Dean Wormer, you when you hear Wormer talk uh-huh. now, like and you hear Webb, you're like, it's Harold Ramis said they wrote Jack Webb. They were writing it for Jack Webb. That's really cool. So uh <laughs> but I uh, I think I think Aykroyd's amazing. I really do. I think he's an amazing creative. Oh, he is force. And, and this is so again, odd. We keep saying odd and bizarre. And this is the kind of thing that really only he could have come up I was with. Just about to only say. he could have come up with. Yeah. What do you think of the conceit of this movie? The whole, the whole kind of setup. Uh, yeah. The, the, the madhouse, you know, you're kind of in the, the haunted mansion almost. In I love a way. it. Yeah. I really, I really do love it. I wish it would have like, like you said, maybe come together a little more because the idea is really cool. I like that idea of, you know, you're, I mean, they're kind of really trapped. They're trying to leave, and every time they leave, I mean, there's these obstacles, and it's fun. That's, yeah, I, think very, that's, I think that's what's so entertaining. You're kind of... Very Texas Chainsaw yeah, Massacre. Yeah. Very psycho in a way, yeah. too, when you're in that house. And 
then Texas Chainsaw, you know, you've kind of got that vibe going on. And that works. That always works. You know, mm -hmm. that's why Die Hard is such a great movie because you're stuck. You know, right. that's, that's, that's why that movie works. And uh, it, all the elements are really there. I, I And I'm not sure what is keeping it from being that next level right. thing. As best as it, as it yeah. could have been. Right. Um, I think a lot of people went into this back in the day expecting a really kind of madcap comedy. And it's not a madcap comedy, but it's not quite like horrific, as horrific as it could be. And I think maybe if it had just been a little more horrific, truthfully, I think yeah. I think it would have it would have really, really come together. Yeah. So uh, he's a big asset to this, though, too. He really is. And I said, you know, maybe this was a little too big of production for that first you know, directing gig. But a lot of this, it looks so good. A lot of this, it, it, it does. looks so good. And it does come together. It, it does. So I have a list of some other things that I think this movie has going for it. Let's okay. see what you think. Uh, the biggest surprise for me was Demi Moore. Yeah. I was, I was delighted and entranced by Demi Moore. I in didn't this love movie. her, didn't hate her. I, I, I didn't realize how, how kind of funny and light she could be. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because this, she's coming off a of ghost, which was, I think the biggest movie of the past year, year before. I mean, she was, big star she's mm -hmm. married to bruce willis at the time right she's really rocking that outfit and haircut <laughs> she's got she looked i thought she looked really uh gorgeous in the movie too but i was really surprised at how well she handled comedy and Aykroyd is on record True. as saying she contributed a lot of bits to the movie you know as they were yeah. the kind of collaborative spirit you know with uh with certain things and he said she was a lot of fun to work with and she seems like she was having a good time in the it movie. did it did she didn't seem as um as bored as as Chevy Chase did. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Uh, another another great thing this movie has going for it, and it's unfortunate. I hate talking about it because he's not with us anymore. Is John Candy, and John Candy to me is one of the guys. Uh, you know, he left us way too early. Way too and early. And so beloved. At still beloved. You know, yeah. I act, I cried the day that I heard that he died. I was about fourteen years old. It just it hit me really hard. He and uh, Dan Aykroyd are really wonderful in the film The Great Outdoors together. Oh, I love John that Candy movie. was also in The Blues Brothers with Aykroyd, and uh, he had a really wonderful career. And there were places he was going, mm -hmm. you know, when he died, and uh, we're, we don't get to see. He, he see too that. kind of feels like one of those special people, he, you know. He, like, he was, yeah. I feel like he's one that you hold dear to. Like you just you see him and it makes you happy to and see he was, him, but then you're also sad because you know he's not with he, us. And he was apparently a really wonderful, wonderful man. They said he was so kind. Like, uh, they couldn't get him out of places if he was talking to people. You know, like, and, you know, yeah. they said he, he he would sit there and talk to people and sign for him and, and just talk to him. And, and they said he was really accessible and they said he was a wonderful man and, and, and a awesome. good friend to have. And I know Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hare speak so mm -hmm. highly of him. And uh, I do believe his daughter has started acting, and they've mentored her, and and, and you know, okay. so she's part of the family. You know, <laughs> nice. He was so good in so many things. So let's talk about it. He played a double role here. He played Eldana. <laughs> she was struck dumb by a thunderclap. One of my favorite lines in the movie. He's in drag, but he also plays Dennis Valkenheiser, the constable of Valkenvania. Um, it, it, it was funny seeing him in drag. I got the joke, you know. Um, Kind of an odd, weird thing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think they were making any kind of weird statement with it. It was just it was funny, you know. But uh, I really liked him as Dennis. I really liked him as the police officer. Mm -hmm. I really liked. Uh, I I never really noticed how much authority John Candy had. Yeah, you know? he was really suited for that. It, 
that role. He, he, I, he, I thought he brought something to both both parts and, and something really special in that thing John Candy had. Yeah. Like, I, I, he's just, he was just so, what's that special? He really was. He really was. You know what I noticed watching him? And it's what? especially, uh, it was prevalent to me in the scene where you first see him when he stops Chevy Chase uh, and he's giving him the spiel. Yeah, mm-hmm. And very Jack Webb in a way too, right? <laughs> <Yes>. Very Joe <laughs> Friday. He was he was a handsome guy. Mm-hmm. He was a he was like a good looking guy. Yeah, you know, like I, think he, I really think he was. Like I was noticing, I was like, that's 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 not a bad looking dude. Yeah. You know, that's not the the slovenly big guy. No, I was like, that's a put together guy, mm-hmm. and and I was I was struck by that for I don't know why. It's just like okay, there yeah. you go. But he seems very authoritative, and uh, he was also a lot of fun in the movie, and. Uh, it's always it's always good to see him. It really is. It really is good to see him. Uh, Taylor Negron uh, <laughs> as Fausto <laughs> and his sister. I, I have it on my other sheet of notes. Uh, the Brazilian, the Brazilian brother and sister. I thought they were absolutely delightful. Oh my goodness! It's one of my favorite parts of the movie. Oh no. <laughs> absolutely, one they of my just- favorite adds to the weirdness like but it doesn't even feel weird you know what i mean no that's what's so strange i texted you when i was watching this i said i must be demented because this makes complete (laughs) sense to me i i get it i get i get what this is exactly um production wise the set design of this is amazing Mm -hmm. the 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 Freddy Krueger Elm Street 4 graveyard of cars but it's not just cars it's kitchen sink it's just stuff appliances <laughs> and stuff in this in this you know big parking lot yeah. thing you know it's everywhere that Vulcanvania the way it looks is just amazing the way it looks the the transition from city to Vulcanvania you know it's in the darkness that comes yes. with it but the set design of that mansion and the hallways and everything was just very uninviting yeah, and, and again if you, if you shifted that tone a little to the right it's, it's a it's a horror movie it's spending the evening you know in the uh Texas Chainsaw <laughs> right, house exactly you know? But uh, I thought they did a great job. Let's talk about the makeup because the makeup is one of the stars here. You've got Freddy Krueger, <laughs> David Miller doing this. Uh, I think the most prevalent bit of makeup is Aykroyd as mm-hmm. the judge, and it just it's seamless. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's seamless. It looks like Aykroyd, but it also doesn't, doesn't. look like Aykroyd. <laughs> what did you think of the makeup there? Oh, I loved it. It's it's disgusting and creepy. It is, <laughs> but it's like. And almost you kind of fan, Phantom of the opera when he starts pulling yeah. the nose off, yeah. right? Right, yes. kind of rooted in, in classic horror, which is, which is what I really yes. appreciated about it. Um, but you can't stop staring. You know, it's like, it's so gross. You can't. You can't <laughs> stop staring. And we have to talk about uh, the other two big babies in the room. He oh, also yes. plays Bobo, one of the mutant babies, alongside Little DeBull. And these characters were put in there because he was having dreams about these things, which again, it, the movie feels like a fever dream, right? <laughs> it does. And these mutant babies, just the makeup job is 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 amazing because that thing would be CGI today. Uh-huh. And I really love Demi Moore's chemistry with the with the two mutant babies. Yeah, and I, I love the too. way that both actors were playing them. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I want a bowl of cereal. You know? <laughs> The man children that they are, it just. Oh my goodness! Did you know it was him? I thought so, and then then you. I think you told me, and I was like, okay. Yeah, he was Boba. Oh yeah, (laughs) just crazy. Just I just I mean, this is. 
it's a strange it's hard to quantify this it, movie. it really uh, it really is because you said crazy you said strange we said bizarre i don't even feel like those words they really don't like it, they don't feel like they, they really, really don't no it's a hard movie to review it, it is it really is uh it's something if like you have to watch and then you'll kind of get it. <laughs> two two more bits before we get to my final kind of points here. Uh, Digital Underground is in the movie, and the guys <laughs> behind the Humpty Hump, and Tupac Shakur is in it. And I love the fact that they're in it. And it was always meant. He said it was always meant that they were going to have a musical bit in the movie. Mm-hmm. They got there, and how cool, man! And they were it was funny, so cool, and they were funny as hell. Uh, Shock G, the uh, the the lead rapper uh-huh. of uh, of uh, Digital Underground, man, with the Groucho nose, he was. Funny. I know. He was funny, and they looked like they were having a good time doing doing the thing, and the I tune know. was fantastic I all know. around the world. And uh, then the judge. I didn't plays, expect but, that. I don't no, think. no, and we're gonna. It, that's gonna loop back into something. A point I want to make about the movie, but I was like, it's kind of nice time capsules. Tupac Shakur's film yeah. debut is in this movie, know. you know. And again, it's this so cool. digital underground. How cool! How cool <laughs> is that? Um, but a production design element we have to talk about is Mr. Bone Stripper, the roller coaster of death that is <laughs> strips your bones, <laughs> strips the flesh off well, yeah. you, and then deposits you out <laughs> to a big heap mass grave. What did you think of Mr. Bone Stripper? I mean, goodness gracious, alive! Like <laughs> it's so it it it's interesting. Uh, so let's say okay, here we go. We'll say it again. It's odd. It's bizarre. But my God, it's completely. Uh, fits in this movie it fits in the but at first i didn't necessarily um expect it to be like that brutal yeah you know like for that to be in it and then i was like that's actually kind of cool like okay very cool it works for me <laughs> very cool very cool what did you think of the comedy in this movie did you laugh or at least chuckle a little I bit chuckled a few times chuckled I, a few times. I, I don't know why one of my favorite parts was the dinner scene the dinner scene is and amazing. And the train with the condiments for the hot dogs, like that. And that, that is, made me laugh. That is one of the things he was, uh, he was really pushing for the spirit of collaboration. That somebody came up with the idea of, and the crew said, "You know, it'd be funny if we had like a train going around." He's like, oh, "Great!" And they rigged it up, and I loved it. And I love, I love that. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And uh, yeah, eating hot dogs like they had before night games, you know, and and it was gross. That the thing, it was it was extremely gross and, and funny. Ants on a log and ants on a log, yeah. Hot dogs on white bread. It wasn't quite (laughs) the dinner scene in the Temple of Doom, but it was. uh, It was. It was pretty gross. Yeah. Pretty gross. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I got the idea too in that scene. John Candy, his character Dennis, is the normal one in the family. (laughs) You know, (laughs) the normal one. Um. So I mean, you, you you giggled. You. Oh yeah. You you were enjoying the the comedic. Aspects of it. What did you think of it as a horror movie? I felt there were moments of it. I wanted more horror. Yeah, that that to me is where I feel like some focus would have would have really brought in. But there are horrific things. There, there, there's the thing of like we said, being trapped, and they're trying to escape, and there's all these like uh, traps, like booby traps, rigged up, and like right, you trying to open a door, and the walls moving about to you know crush you. It's like that's right. That's interesting stuff. One of the things, one of the things that I think this movie really plays into is the horror of displacement, mm-hmm. and movies like Deliverance do that, where you're not in your environment and your environment right. is out to get you. Mm-hmm. Texas Chainsaw Massacre might be the best, you know, uh, example of that. Yeah, and 
Yeah, a lot of, and he did say he was setting out to make the funny Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I think in a lot of ways he did. I think he did. I think so. Uh, You know what it might be? What? It just hit me what might be missing from the movie. What's that? Is in Texas Chainsaw Massacre and and in a movie like Deliverance, but in the great horror films and the great slasher films especially, because this movie kind of wants to be a slasher film. It's kind of, it's walking up to that line, right? Mm -hmm. You're missing the slasher. Yeah. You have the judge who who is horrific, but you're missing you're missing like the the physical. You're missing the person that he the, would almost be like direct, like telling, go do that, like. And and they're they're maybe kind of trying to set up John Candy's El Eldona or Eldona character, but it doesn't quite get there. Um, but it's kind of missing the the Leatherface character. Mm-hmm. You're missing you're missing the the physical threat, the mm-hmm. Minotaur in the maze, if you will. Mm-hmm. You know, chasing them through that that graveyard of cars. Yeah. So that might that might be, be what that missing element is, where you yeah. could really then. What's her name? Eldona. 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 Yeah. That that character could have been that. Yeah, for sure. They could have taken that to a whole different level with that character, and it could have been right. Amazing, <laughs> right? So I, you know what, we may have just figured it out. That what it's missing? It. It's missing uh, the slasher element, the the yeah. real, the Fred Krueger, Jason Jason Voorhees, Michael Myers element, the yeah. the stalker, mm-hmm. the stalking character. But the judge, I mean, because the judge is horrific. Yeah. But uh, and they're setting it up with the whole family aspect, like in Texas Chainsaw. Mm-hmm. But but the uh, the horror of displacement that is definitely uh, that's definitely something that's there. It's definitely something that scares me. You know, getting stuck oh, yeah. somewhere and. Not being able, you know, not in a in an alien out and, in an alien environment, yeah. if you will, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's there. Uh, another thing we need to talk about is this movie does have a a point of view. It is there's a hatred of the elite, as we said in this movie's worldview. Bankers, financial people, bad musicians, good, good. <laughs> and uh, there's a lot of reason for that. So I do think that this movie does take a hatred of the elite mm-hmm. even uh the people in the town that got screwed over valkenvania they are elite they're killing people there's a lot to be said for that there's a lot to be said with what we know about how some people in power act and some of the things that they do and that their power indeed might be built on bones mm-hmm. i'll just say that i don't want to go down that rabbit hole again but um, I that's there. I, th- I think it's, it's, it's I think it's there. a valid part of. Oh yeah, I agree. This movie and knowing Aykroyd, kind of the way I do, I would not be surprised if that's there. Mm-hmm. Again, that is something that could have been with just a little more focus, kind of maybe brought out a little more. Yeah. Just just a little more in the film. I think so. I. No, there's another edit of this movie that we're probably never going to see, which I think they trimmed some of the horrific stuff. So this movie may have been indeed a lot more horrific in the original Dan Aykroyd. We'll probably never it, know. And we'll probably never know, which is sad. Yeah. Um, it's it's an interesting movie, though, isn't it? <laughs> it really it's, is. It's, I don't want to sit here and say that I don't like the movie. I do like the movie. I also, and it's not, uh, and I don't want to say I don't like the movie. It's just that there, it's so out there and bizarre and it's not something that invites you to revisit regularly right. but it's so magnetic and it and it then it occupies a strange part of your brain you know yeah. you take the movie with you in a lot of ways <laughs> before we take a break we have uh four really good performers who get above 
the title credit here. Chevy Chase, Aykroyd, John Candy, and Demi Moore. Mm-hmm. I think they're all really good. Yeah, and I said Chase isn't my favorite, he, but he's, he's still, he's, he's good. He carries some stuff here. Yeah. Um, did you have a favorite performance or performer out of out of this group? And there's a lot of good performances in this movie. It's, it's tough because there are moments where I'm really loving what John Candy's doing, but you have to love what Dan Aykroyd's doing. Like... <laughs> I think the I think the mad swagger he brings to the judge is is maybe the movie to me. Mm-hmm. Really kind of makes the movie worth watching what right. he's doing there. And he's got some really funny lines mm-hmm. too as a judge and his physicality is really great and he's um the fact that you know, we talk about this uh funny enough with England and David Miller's doing the makeup for them both. Mm-hmm. Uh one of the things that you and I both really loved about the Freddy Krueger makeup and also then with the Beetlejuice makeup, you know, with Michael Keaton is that they're able to emote under exactly. the makeup. The actor is not getting lost under the right. makeup. And I don't feel Ackroyd's getting lost under that. I feel like it's, no, it's so. enhancing some of his natural kind of physicality, mm-hmm. you know? So it, <laughs> it's, it's an interesting misfire. It's, yeah. it's, it's one of the, it's one of the more interesting movies I think we've done just because it's so, I, I, I listen, um, go back to where we start talking about the movie and take a shot every time we say odd or bizarre because I think you're gonna, weird I think you're gonna be pretty pretty feeling pretty good by the time it's Probably over so. it, it is it's a strange movie uh, and I'm really glad that it exists I am too because I, I don't hate this movie I'm really glad it exists <laughs> it is strange oh it's strange and yet, makes complete sense to me for for some reason i don't know know what that says about me or about the movie i I don't know i don't know i don't either all right well we're going to take a very short break this is a news break so make sure to stay tuned for all of the fake news not fit to print i am dan and and we'll see you on the other side Utilizing a $3.5 trillion grant from the United States government, scientists at the Cozy Corner Institute of Science and Stuff have discovered something very interesting that we think you all need to be aware of. Faith, for a while there, Steven Seagal was one of the biggest names in action films. His late 80s, early 90s run of films include the titles Above the Law, Hard to Kill, Marked for Death, Out for Justice, and Under Siege. During this time, he was on par with the other great action heroes of the era, including Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, Bruce Willis, and Jean-Claude Van Damme. The films we just mentioned are considered to be Seagal's golden age, and are all really pretty good. 
Faith, please tell our listeners what the Cozy Corner Institute of Science and Stuff has discovered. If you substitute the word wiener into his Golden Age film titles, it's really funny. So above the law becomes... Above the wiener. Hard to kill becomes... Hard to wiener. Marked for death becomes... Marked for wiener. Out for justice becomes... Out for wiener. And finally, under siege becomes under wiener. Or wiener siege. While we here at the Late Night Fright do not agree with the Cozy Corner Institute of Science and Stuff getting three and a half trillion dollars from the United States government to insert the word wiener into Steven Seagal film titles. Who are we to argue with the results? And that is the news. Stay tuned for our final scores and a preview of next week's show. Welcome back to the Late Night Fright, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. All right, let's uh, finish up the show. What did you think of the Steven Seagal film titles? Those are amazing. I want. I told you, I want more wiener news. We need more wiener news on this show. That's your tax dollars at work. Yeah. It's tax dollars at work right there. <laughs> Steven Seagal movies. Let's finish with the movie we were talking about, Nothing But Trouble. The question we asked at Nothing the, But Wiener. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I had to. There you go. Wiener trouble. <laughs> uh, the question we asked at the beginning was, is the movie as bad as it was made out to be at the time it was released? What do you think? I, I don't think it is. What do you think? Uh, I don't think so either. Uh, I'm glad a little cult has formed around this movie because I think it's a really interesting movie. I don't think it's a bad movie. I don't think That's so. The, some movies, some movies like that, those cult films, they are bad. And you watch them because they're bad. Because they're and bad. And you, you get off on the fact that they're so bad. bad you know? <laughs> and then there's cult movies that are really, really good. And for some reason they you know, Big Lebowski is one maybe the greatest example of that Exa- where yep. <laughs> it just missed its audience when it was in theaters and now it's one of the most Exactly you know, quoted movies of all time. You know, people love it. So this movie, I think, sits somewhere in the middle Mm -hmm. of that. I don't think it's as bad as they made it out to be. I don't don't think so. So, I mean, maybe they were just going in with such high expectations at that time because of the names attached to it. And we need... We need to. I, we should have done this earlier. At the time this came out, nineteen ninety one, these people were at the top of their That's game. Right. All four of them above the title. Dan Aykroyd's coming off of Ghostbusters two. Chevy Chase is coming off of Christmas Vacation. John Candy, The Great Outdoors, and Uncle Buck, and those kind of things. So people were expecting one movie. They got another movie, and the movie they got definitely wasn't <laughs> one that they were expecting to get. So and that might have really been what the, the problem was. I, you know? I think it. I think it was a problem, and. Uh, so expectations going in maybe weren't met. And this movie did in a lot of ways kind of end an era. You know, Ackroyd then went into supporting parts after that. Mm-hmm. And Chevy Chase started doing those Disney, you know, kind of uh, uh, kitty type films like uh, Man of the House, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So it is what it is. I, I mean, I went in with an open mind and it just is what let it, it happen and I enjoyed it. So I just yeah. I didn't go in with extreme so, high expectations. 
this is Dan Aykroyd at 11 or 12. <laughs> you know, if, if you want the companion piece to what Aykroyd is, uh, watch Dan Aykroyd Unplugged on UFOs. It is available on YouTube for free. Watch that. It's amazing. It's an hour and a half of Dan Aykroyd talking about UFOs. Will change your life. <laughs> Will change your life. So it's not as bad as it was made out to no, be. No, I don't think so. So I, I find it very hard to assign any kind of rating to this movie. Agreed. You know, so the question that we'll ask in lieu of stars, Mm -hmm. should this movie take a ride on Mr. Bone Stripper? Faith, do you think it should take a ride on Mr. Bone Stripper? No, I don't think so. I don't think it should take a ride on Mr. Bone Stripper. I don't think it's that bad. Either. No. Maybe it needs to spend a little time in Vulcanvania, but it doesn't need to take a ride on Mr. Bone Stripper. It's not it's not that bad. It's not that bad. It's not no, not at all. Not at all. That's, it's charming in its own strange, That's a good, strange yeah, it's way. Charming. Very charming. It's intriguing. It's it's yeah. different. And uh, uh, God bless you, John Candy, and thank you for all of the laughs and and just humor. And what, what he was amazing. So amazing I, I hate to watch movies with him in it because you get sad that he's not with us. I I mentioned John Candy was going places, and we're not going to get to see him. Obviously, we ha- we didn't get to see him go those places because the movie JFK that Oliver Stone directed came out in 1991. John Candy has uh, a cameo in that. He's one of the you know sixty something actors that appeared <laughs> in that movie, and he plays a lawyer named Dino down in New Orleans, and it's a very dark character, and he has menace and uh, presence. And he's got two or three scenes with Kevin Costner where it's just him and Costner talking. And we said this about actors before, you know, like we say Robert England has that thing that you can't teach the presence, you know, Schwarzenegger, not a great actor, but has presence. Mm -hmm. And John Candy, if you watch him, the scenes he was in in JFK, he had such presence and is kind of scary. Mm -hmm. He's kind of intimidating in those scenes. He's not threatening. That's the thing, but he is threatening, but he's not. And, and it's really wonderful to think what he could have done. Right. You know, and he did a movie called only the lonely with John Hughes, where he played a guy who lived with his mother, an older Chicago policeman who fell in love and has to break it to his mother that he's in love. And that's a really wonderful movie. And it showed a really soft and tender and romantic side. And it's a, it's a, it's really, it's really a good movie. And, I think one of the last things he did. And so you had these two sides that came out this romantic lead mm-hmm. and this menacing character actor that that came out. And who knows what he would have done with the right director, with know. the right script, you know. That's a so shame. it really is. It really that was that was a big loss. Mm-hmm. That was a big loss. And uh if you've never seen The Great Outdoors with Dan Aykroyd oh and God, you're missing out. <laughs> And John Candy, you really, you that, really, I love that movie so much. You really are missing out. If you've never seen uh, Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd in the first, uh, well, Chevy was only in the first season, but the first uh, five seasons of Saturday Night Live, the original uh, cast, it, you're you're missing something there too. It's really special, really, really special stuff. And of course, the movies we mentioned tonight, the Blues Brothers. Uh, Ghostbusters. Uh, one of my favorite Ackroyd bits is he's uh, the little cameo he has in the Twilight Zone movie with you want to see something really scary. And, <laughs> uh, it's great. He's he's, he's really one. It's it's a wonderful personality and, and presence. And one thing uh, before we close up shop on nothing but trouble. I, I read a quote 
that the entertainment business is not the end all be all for him. So he's a guy I think who has perspective and priorities and yeah. he's been married to the same woman for 35, 36 years now, three kids and, and seems to be happy and has his business ventures like crystal head vodka and, and uh, get him talking about UFOs or ghosts and it's fantastic. <laughs> and, and I love a guy who's smart and intelligent has a point of view. I love, I love him. Oh, I, think yes. it, I think it's great. I think it's great. And, and if you get the chance, check out everything he did with John Belushi because they were, they were special. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I've, stated my love of John Belushi on this show before. <laughs> John's great. And check out Jack Webb. Check out check out Dragnet the Radio show. So all right. Nothing but trouble. Uh interesting film. There you go. There you go. Faith, we have a, a good film coming up next week. This is kind of start of kind of sort of uh kind starting of sort of. there you go. Starting to kick off our summer series and we're gonna be doing uh, summer themed movies, not a not a particularly summer themed movie, I think, but uh, one that's going to kind of get us there. Mm-hmm. And what do we have coming up? We have the Lost Boys coming up next week. What year is that from? Nineteen eighty seven. Okay. This movie was directed by Joel Schumacher. It stars Jason Patrick, Kiefer Sutherland, Edward Herman, Diane Weiss, Corey Haim, Corey Feldman, uh, Alex Winters, who plays Bill from the Bill and Ted mm-hmm. movies. Jamie Gertz, the the lovely and talented Jamie Gertz, is in it. I feel like I'm missing somebody, but we'll definitely get to them <laughs> next week. Uh, this is a really fun movie. Uh, this is a movie we're gonna we're gonna get into because I think there's uh, a lot of stuff to talk about with it. So I'm looking forward to it, and uh, uh, a lot of stuff hidden under the surface, and a lot of stuff on the surface. It's a lot of fun to talk about. So it's should be a fun show. I'm hoping it is. I think so. And uh, we have been talking, we've been mentioning the Lost Boys. It feels like it's come up in conversation <laughs> a lot. And so we're finally getting around to it. Yeah. And uh, and we're next week, we'll clue you in on what our summer movies are going to be. We're doing summer-themed movies. Mm-hmm. So we're going to hit a Friday the 13th movie. We're going to hit Sleepaway Camp. We're going to do something like Cheerleader Camp or <laughs> Bloody Pom Poms, as it's known <laughs> in some circles. And, and who knows? Oh, Jaws, I think, is going to be on the list. Uh, we're just not sure what order we're going to do them in. But uh, Maybe we should pick them out of a hat. We might. That's worked well for us <laughs> in the past. As always, we would like to thank each and every one of you for tuning in. It is a pleasure and a privilege to do this show every week. We want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in. It means a lot to us, and we would do this show if two people were listening. It's a lot more than two people listening, and we're very thankful for that. And I want to Absolutely. thank each and every one of you from around the world for tuning in, and any spooks, specters, or interdimensional astral travelers, all of you <laughs> for tuning in as well. As always, stay healthy, stay happy, stay safe, stay sane. And take your vitamins. And take your vitamins. <laughs> take your vitamins. As Don Cornelius, the great host of Soul Train, said, all those on all those shows, be good to yourself and be good to your neighbor. Watching movies is fun. Watch a movie with a friend, get a conversation going. You never know where that conversation might lead. Find some common ground with people because we are living in times where People want to divide us in ways that I've never seen in my lifetime. And what unites us, I believe, makes us uh, is a lot greater than what divides us. Absolutely. I think yes. we're all yes. after the same thing, mm-hmm. health and happiness mm-hmm. and those things. And I think a lot of us just want to be left alone yeah. to do our thing and live in harmony with the people around uh, us. Yep. And politicians and governments are not going to do that for us. We, we, have to, we have to get to know one another 
and, and hold hands. Mm-hmm. And remember, there's a lot more of us than there are of them. So be good to yourself. Be good to your neighbor. Start dialogues. Start, di- start dialogues with people you might not agree with. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to find there's a, lot of, there's a lot of common ground there. And we're all after the same thing. And I'll end with this. We're living in very strange times. The issues that face us today are not issues of Democrat versus Republican. They're not issues of left versus right. They're not issues of black versus white. They're not issues of one country versus another country. The issues that face us today are very simple. Are you on the side of humanity or are you on the side of something else? Are you on the side of right or are you on the side of evil? Mm -hmm. That's it. It's that simple. It really is. It's that simple. And when things are that simple, it's very easy to make a choice. So make the right one. Please make the right one. Stand with humanity. Stand (laughs) with us. Don't mean to get on the soapbox, but it is, it's strange. It's a strange time we live in. We've hinted at some of these things on the show before. And uh, we're going to keep hinting at those things on the show. This is not a quote unquote conspiracy show, but it's when, when you have the opportunity, when, the, when it arises to present these things mm-hmm. uh, in a logical, organic manner, we like to take uh, that opportunity. So we Absolutely. might be doing that with the Lost Boys next week. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, seriously, thank you all. Thank you all for tuning in. And, and again, just stay happy, healthy, safe, sane. Take your vitamins. Take your vitamins, yep. especially zinc, <laughs> especially zinc. Faith, I think I've, uh, I feel tall on the soapbox. I'm going to take a step down from the soapbox. It feels like it's that time, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It feels does. like it's that time. Let's it see. Does. On three, can we make the magic happen? Can we, we make try. the music come? Let's. Ready? One, two, three. Magic. Magic. I think that's the best snap we've ever done <laughs> it probably in the is. history of the show. <laughs> we had the weirdest movie we've ever done in the history of the show. No. And the best, best snap. snap. Best snap. <laughs> the Lost Boys from 1987 is up next week. Watch it. You're going to love it. It's your homework for the week. There you go. Take us home, Faith. May your coffin be cozy and your sarcophagus warm. May the light of the moon keep you safe from harm. Be you vampire, spook, specter, or beast. Always remember... Keep Keep your your monster monster on a leash. leash. We love you. We'll see you on the other side.